Hey, TCAT fans, you've heard me talk about it before, but I love Audible. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app, and they make it so easy to discover something new, something you'll love. Right now, I'm listening to The Teacher, which is an amazing audiobook. It's a thriller, and it's got me on the edge of my seat. With Audible, you can also discover thousands of podcasts from your popular favorites to exclusive new series. And I love the fact that, you know, I can take my titles with me wherever I go and listen to them wherever I want. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And members get full access to a growing selection of included audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts. You can download or stream their included titles all you want. And as a lover of true crime, you're going to find a lot of mystery, thrillers, true crime audiobooks that you will absolutely love. New members can try Audible free for 30 days visit audible.com slash TCAT or text TCAT to 500-500. That's audible.com slash TCAT or text TCATT to everyone and welcome to episode 96 of the true crime all the time podcast i'm mike ferguson and with me as always is my partner in true crime mike gibson gibby how are you today man hey man i'm doing good hey man hey man what's happening what is happening yeah i'm gonna make a shirt that just says hey man hey man i'm good yeah i'm good man i'm gonna put the man at the end too okay you didn't that time Sometimes. But if I make the shirt... I don't want to be predictable. I'm definitely going to put the man at the beginning and the man at the end. Nobody likes someone predictable. They don't. So I got to shake it up every now and then. Got to. Yeah. Got to. So how you been? I'm good. I feel good. I'm on vacation this week, so... Yeah. I'm feeling really good. Well, you haven't shaved? Nope. I got my staycation beard going on. Starting to look like a real biker? It's a little grayer than I... Then it, I would it, like it, it yeah, to Yeah, I was going to say, you got a lot of gray there on the side. A lot of gray in the beard. And, yeah. Because I normally haven't, I haven't let it grow out for quite a while. Just just shave your head and grow the beard and be like a real biker. Yeah, scary. Yeah. Get a tattoo. A scary dude. I did have a good bike ride the other night, which was nice. I hadn't ridden the bike in a while. And Oh, yeah, that's right. You got your bike back. Yep. And had my, my first uh, service done on it and got it back and went for a ride. And it was yeah. nice. Yeah. Did you go like... Uh, have your wife ride on back of it or just nope. you? Now, my wife is not a huge fan of riding on the on the bike. When I had the, my motorcycle the first time, years yeah. ago, she rode on it a couple times, got scared, and that was it for that. So. Right. Well, popping wheelies will do that. Yeah. No, I'm not a popping wheelies kind of guy, but I knew she wouldn't be riding very much on, on the new one. All right, Gibbs, we've got some new Patreon supporter shout outs to give. We had Mary Van Ravensway. Hey, Mary Van Ravensway from Harry Potter. Nadia Hall. Hey, Nadia. Rush Johnson jumped out at her highest level. Rush. Nick G. Nick, Nick G. Was he in the Orange Crust with, with, with you as Mikey, Mikey G? G? We don't talk about we it anymore. We don't talk about that? No. Sean Spartacus Copeland. Hey, Spartacus. Hercules Car- here. <laughs> Carson Holst. 
Hey, Carson. Peta McConaughey. McConaughey. Wonder if she plays the drums like he does. I don't know. It's yeah. not. I don't think it's spelled the same. Yeah. Curly Cole jumped out at her highest level. Thank you. That's a very cool name. I've, it I've is never a cool heard name. of that. Curly. Curly. Hmm. Tony McCow. Hey, Tony. Roxanne S. Roxanne. You don't have to put on the red light. That's right. Aaron Anderson. Hey, Aaron. Megan Smith jumped out at her highest level. Thank you, Megan. Lisa. Just Lisa. Ender Stryka. Ender Stryka. Katrina Lamont. Hey, thank you. Greta Garden. Awesome. Allison Ryan. Yeah. Kate Fleming. I like that. Marion. Just Marion. Just Marion. Mary Sorofsky. Sorofsky. Elizabeth Crooks. Thank you. Shasta Scarborough. Yeah, just a soda. Soda. Say soda Scarborough. <laughs> say soda Scarborough. Yeah. Jessica Sharp. Hey, Jessica. Stephanie Alexander. Hey, Stephanie. Jennifer Cook. Thank you, Jennifer. Kim Hess. Awesome. Sandra Wilcoxon. Wilcoxon. Kelly. Lucy Endrodiova. Diova. Okay, keep going. Yep. Anna. Hey, Anna. Florence Foodie Club. I like that. Uh, and, you know, I've corresponded with them a little bit. Yes. Uh, they really like your Italian accent. But of course. Why not? Uh, because a, they're actually in Florence. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good uh, accent. Uh, <laughs> and I think that, that they understand that. Uh, <laughs> you just put uh on the end of everything. And, uh, that's <laughs> what you do. Accenta. You yeah, accenta. We had Karen. Hey, Karen. Dustin Schillinger. Dustin. Beth Watt. Hey, Beth. And Joanne Stevens. Thank you. And then if we go back into the vault, Gibbs. Let's do it. This week we selected Jen Storms. Hey, Jen. Big, longtime supporter of the show. She blew in and liked it. Does sound like a meteorologist name. Yeah. Jen Storms. Jen Storms. Here for you. Exactly. Yeah. We might have even said that way back in the we day. We probably did. She's probably like... You guys said the same thing back then. We probably did. And then we had some PayPal support, which we love as well. Oh, we love PayPal. We had Cheryl Matalazzo. Matalazzo. And Deborah Pfeiffer. Hey, Deborah, thank you. So much appreciated for yeah. all the support that we get. Really helps us to continue to uh, put out the podcast. Yeah, it's important. means everything. All right, Gibbs. At the same time this is out, we've got an unsolved episode out, and it's on the... Mary Celeste, and this is one that I think people are going to like. Yeah, I mean, it's a good one. You know, Mary Celeste is uh, going back in time a little bit, but um, it's a mystery. And I mean, I know when I did the research, I seen some some good shows out there about it as well. So, I mean, it's, it's attracted everybody's interest in the history world. Yeah, I think anytime you have a good mystery, people are drawn to that. Yeah. So, yeah, check that out. But... In this episode of True Crime All the Time, we're talking about Gary Allen Walker, who killed five people in Oklahoma during a 19-day period back in 1984. And I don't know, Gibbs, I've seen him called a serial killer. I've seen him called a spree killer. And it got me thinking. So, you know, I wanted to do a little research. You and I know a little bit about the, the definitions, but... There are quite a number of definitions for a serial killer. You know, if you look at the FBI definition, it's a series of two or more murders committed as separate events, usually but not always by one offender acting alone. So by that definition, Gary Allen Walker is a serial killer. But then you look at other definitions 
and they throw in the cooling period, but they also, some of them throw in the fact that the series must run for longer than a month, which this one really doesn't. It's a 19 day period of time. So maybe, you know, that's why in some places he's called a serial killer and some places he's not. Yeah. You know, spree killer by the FBI definition is a person or more than one person who commits two or more murders without a cooling off period. And, and really in most definitions, you know, that cooling off period is the difference. I don't know how long the cooling off period needs to be. I've never seen that. Right. You know, this guy goes days obviously without killing people. Is that enough of a cooling off period? I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird to know that someone makes that determination. But the other thing that's strange is in the FBI definition of a serial killer, it doesn't say anything about the cooling off period, but it does in the spree killer one, which I thought was strange. That is a little bizarre. But either way, Gary Allen Walker is a very bad guy, no matter what you want to call him, serial killer or spree killer. Now, this is one of those lesser known cases, and we like to do those where where we can find them. And I found this one and... You know, as I started researching it, I thought it would make a great episode. The problem is I got so far down the track, started to realize, man, this is not only lesser known, there's not that much out there on it. Not a lot of coverage. No. Yeah. So, you know, really had to work pretty hard to get some of the nuggets and and the things that, that you and I like to put into a case. But even, you know, that said, we don't have the usual amount of background on Gary Walker's childhood. It it was really hard to find, you know, uh, hardly anything about his childhood. Now, what we do know is that he was born on September 25th, 1953. He had a couple of brothers and he had a sister. One of his older brothers was killed in California in a car wreck. And very similar to the case that we did last week of Lemuel Smith, Walker is going to say later on that his deceased brother spoke to him. I didn't plan it that way. I didn't plan to do a series on serial killers whose deceased brother spoke to them. It it just kind of happened that way. That actually would make for a good series if you could find eight or ten of those and put them together. I think it would be, for sure. And I'm sure you could find them. Yeah. Now, we do know that his mom remarried a man named Otis Walker because Gary would later testify at trial that Otis beat him frequently. In Gary's words, he would beat me until I couldn't scream anymore. He would tell the jury some of the details of what he described as a miserable life growing up. So Gibbs, we don't have all the childhood details that we normally would in a case like this, but I think it's safe to say that Gary Walker did not have a good childhood. You know, it sounds like he was physically abused. He was most likely verbally, emotionally abused as well, but it wasn't just his stepfather. Walker's mother played a role in this as well. Number one, they were both alcoholics. Yeah. But number two, and, and, you know, so much worse it, it was alleged that his mother engaged with Gary 
in an incestuous relationship when he was 12 years old. It was also alleged that you know, she had sex with many of his friends at, at that young age as well. So, yeah, you know, we talk about psyche and we talk about trauma. I don't know what that does to a 12-year-old kid, but I don't think it can be good in any shape. You know, add on top of that, the alcoholism and, and everything that comes with, you know, severe alcoholics, his stepfather beating him severely. It, it's not a good childhood. But I don't know how many times he had a head injury. I don't know a lot of the, you know, the other details. But I think that's enough to tell you that he had it rough growing up. And some of this, you know, would come out at trial. Some more things would come out at trial. He was placed in a children's medical psychiatric center in Tulsa at the age of 13. When he started showing signs of, you know, severe personality disorder. Walker left home at the age of 16 to join the army, but was discharged after two months. Now, Gibbs, you can't join the army at 16, right? He had to have lied about that. Yeah, You know, I don't know back then if that was something that you could do. Well, yeah, could... I mean, you say back then, but this is like 69? Yeah. 69, I mean... 70? Could you join? I, don't, I didn't think you could join the army that young. Uh, you but might you have. Be... I... He might have been, but I mean, if not, yeah, he would have had to lie to get into there. And and, and maybe that has something to do with the reason why he was discharged at only after only two months. Because the only thing that I could find was some information from Gary saying that he didn't really know why he was kicked out. We just know he got kicked out. We just know he got kicked out. That's early on, too, though. So it had to be pretty bad that they say, hey, you're out now. We're not even going to two two months. Yeah, we're not even going to do the uh, code red. Yeah, you got to do something pretty serious, or they have to figure out that you've lied about your age or something like that. But for him to to say later that he was never really even sure why they kicked him out. Well, I mean, it's like I said, they didn't even do the code red. I mean, I thought that happened in all the when the, someone's not performing, they do the code red, and then. You have to go to trial. Tom Cruise shows up. And if it gets really bad, you do a Baja Blast Ooh, a Baja after Black. the Code Red. That, <laughs> did we just mix a movie with Taco Bell? No. So Code Red is a Mountain Dew. Oh, I was going Code Red and a few good I know men. you were. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But Baja Blast is always a Mountain Dew, too. Or yeah. is a Mountain Dew, too. So I was going, first you do the Code Red, then you do the Baja Blast. There's an orange one, too. I can't remember what that, what that was. what that's called. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, do they do the code red in every branch? What was the branch in A Few Good Men? Uh, Marines. Yeah, I was thinking that was maybe more of a Marines type thing, but I don't know. I, I was never in the military, so I can't speak too intelligently on, on some of that stuff. But after he got out of the Army, he shared a house with his brother Wayne and another friend, but that didn't last very long. His brother Wayne went into the military as well. So Gary is kind of on his own at a fairly young age. You know, he had trouble finding a job, keeping a job, and eventually he turned to stealing to survive, to get by. And he compiled a pretty substantial rap sheet over the years. You know, burglary, drugs, auto theft, uh, charges related to firearms. He definitely, from a pretty early age, was not heading down a good path. Essentially, from 1970 
when Gary was 17 years old on, he would never spend a full year outside of, of jail or prison ever. None whatsoever. Not, not a full year. Bits and pieces of not a, a never get the full nope. stint. Never 365 days in a row. Shocker. In 1974, he was sentenced to 18 months in prison for auto theft. In 77, he was charged with receiving a stolen firearm and sent to the Oklahoma State Penitentiary. That's big boy prison. That is big boy. But over the next couple of years, you know, he, he's at he's in prison, but he starts to go back and forth to this eastern state hospital in Venita, Oklahoma. He was diagnosed as a severe depressive who suffered from schizophrenia and paranoia. And it was reported that he underwent shock therapy. He tried a lot of different types of therapy, drug therapy, talk therapy, shock treatments. But it's around that time at, you know, while he's at, this Eastern state hospital that he started telling staff there that he was hearing his deceased brother speak to him, but he was paroled, but he couldn't stay out long. His parole was revoked because he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And this time they sent him to federal prison in Texas, which is fine. You know, I like federal prison. If you're going to go to prison, go to federal prison. Did you just say the words, I like federal no, prison? No, well, I mean, I like, if that was my option, if you're like, hey, you can go to county lockup or you can go to federal prison, I'm going to go send me to federal prison. Yeah, maybe you should make a clarifying statement. I should. It's like you're sending a postcard say, you know, to a loved one saying, hey, I like federal prison, is basically the way that you Yeah, that probably statement. didn't come out the right way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also makes it sound like, You've done a number of prison stints in in the various yeah. places, yeah. Yeah. and you're ranking them. Gibby must know he must have been a county lockup. Yeah, he must and been I a really state like federal prison, prison, federal prison, which I know is not the case, but no. that's the way it made it sound. Yeah, it didn't, you're right. It didn't sound too good. In 1982, he was transferred to a federal medical facility in Springfield, Missouri. And again, this all has to do with mental illness, but at the same time. He's trying to escape. He made several unsuccessful escape attempts. I think it would be hard to escape. Maybe a little easier back then, definitely harder today. But yeah, I think uh, it would be pretty tough. And I don't know if it'd be worth it because isn't it automatic 10 years added on or something like that? I don't know what it is automatic. And I'm really surprised that you didn't reference your Sylvester Stallone movie. I was going to go there. Or I was going to go Shawshank. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm thinking. Shawshank. But the other thing to, I think, think about in regards to that Gibbs is today you escape. How likely is it that you're going to be able to stay off the grid? It's, it's really hard to stay off the grid these days. I think so too. I Not think impossible, it's- but it's, it's much, much harder than it was, you know, in the, in the Shawshank era. Right. They actually had a show. I think it was last year where they took like federal officers. I don't know if you, if you could escape in for 48, 48, 48 hours, 72 hours, and they couldn't find you, then you got like all this money. Oh, what show is that? I would like to watch that. Yeah, it's actually, it was, what was it called? 
I know it was out there. It was like it was kind of like a. Um, I know it was out there. It was in the ether somewhere. Yeah, it was out there somewhere. It was like kind of like a. Um, what's the show out there? A lot of people like to watch where they're all on the island together. Survivor. Yeah, it's like Survivor, <laughs> but it was uh, they drop off like three different couples or partners. Yeah. And it's like the big race or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a cross between the amazing race, Survivor. Yeah, and kind of like that. And they drop them off. They give them a head start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget how many hours. And they sick the dogs on them. And they got all these like experts that come out. And they like cross-reference like hmm. their friends. They try to track by the telephone number. They got experts that do the credit card stuff. It's really interesting. And, uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I don't know if it's still out there or not, but Netflix it. Did you know that according to FBI property crime data, most home break-ins happen in broad daylight? As the days get longer this spring, protect your home with Simply Safe. I've been using Simply Safe for about four or five years now, and it's the award-winning home security that I recommend. I've turned a lot of friends, family members, and fans onto it as well. Both experts and customers love Simply Safe for its comprehensive protection. It was just named Best Home Security Systems of 2024 by U.S. News and World Report and recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. They have advanced technology to protect every room, window, and door of your home. They also have a slew of cameras to keep watch for suspicious activity 24-7. Protect your home today. Our listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/tcat. That's simplysafe.com/tcat. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me ask you all a question. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, go fishing? Well, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. You have to know what's important to you to know how you would use that extra time and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've used the BetterHelp service before and it's great. I love the fact that you you can get matched with a licensed therapist, have a session from the comfort of your own home through your computer. I don't have to get in my truck, drive, sit in the waiting room, nothing like that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TCAT today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash T-C-A-T-T. So he did. He tried to escape, you know, a number of times. But in February of 1984, he was released, even though he had, had tried to escape, even though, you know, he was a repeat offender. He had broken parole. He had done a lot of things. He was paroled again. But this is just months, Gibbs, before he's going to go on this killing spree, this 19-day killing spree that we talked about. It began on May 6th when Gary Walker murdered a 63-year-old man named Eddie Cash. This happened in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, pretty close to, to Tulsa. You know, this whole, most of this, save a couple of episodes, takes place some distance from Tulsa, right? In, in, in towns in Oklahoma, but adjacent to Tulsa. 
But this 63-year-old man, Eddie Cash, he picked up Gary Walker hitchhiking. And how many bad stories start with somebody was hitchhiking? I tell you, I just never hitchhike, man. Now, in this case, it's the reverse, right? Normally, we're talking about the hitchhiker becoming a victim. Yeah. But in this case, the person that picks up the hitchhiker becomes the victim because Gary Walker finds out where Cash lives, and he goes back that night to rob him. But while he's robbing his house, the guy comes home, and they get into it. Gary Walker picked up a chimney brick and smashed in the skull of this 63-year-old man. Oh, my gosh. Just picked up a brick and did that. Yeah, and what was a very vicious attack cracked his skull in in multiple places how vicious i mean that's terrible i mean that's just brutal raw but then he took an electrical cord from a vacuum cleaner fashioned it into a noose tightened it around eddie's neck just to make sure that he was dead no way is he going to take the chance that this guy survives this is brutal so he hits him with the brick and then he turns around and he strangles him with a vacuum. I mean, it's just heartless. Is that even the right thing to say? Heartless? Yeah, I think that's a good word. I think the guy's heartless. I think a lot of killers are. Now, after the murder, Walker stole Eddie's van and he took the back roads from his house to avoid police. He eventually sold the van to someone and then hitchhiked his way to the city of Poto. And Gibbs, you and I talk about people having brushes with serial killers. What about this person that gave Gary Walker a ride to Poto and lived? You know, after we get done telling the story, you know that person looked back on that and thought, man, I was really close to death. Yeah. I was literally feet away from this stone cold, as you said, heartless killer. Yeah. I mean, right there. What would you think about that? That would be, that would be, hey, maybe I should stop picking up hitchhikers, first of all. And then second, I better just thank my lucky stars and I'm going to live my life. I would think so. I think, I mean... I think it would shake a lot of people up. That'd be a wake up call for sure in a bunch of different ways, I I would think. Now, in Poto on May 7th, Walker met 36 year old Margaret Bell in a bar, and they kind of hit it off. They were drinking at the bar. As the bar closed, Margaret offered Gary a ride in her Cadillac. But once they got inside the car, Gary pulled a knife on her. And Gary's really big on knives. Maybe as big as you are. I like my knife. Which is saying something. Yeah. Now, he uses his in a way that hopefully you don't. The jury's still out on that. Only if I have to. Because as soon as they get in this car and he pulls this knife, Margaret's driving the car. He's forcing her to drive. Yeah. And it's not down the street. I mean, they go into Arkansas, Tennessee, up through Kentucky. I mean, it's a trip that he is making her take. How nerve-wracking would that be? Not knowing when he's going to do... Or if. Or if. Yeah, what he's going to do. 
Well, one thing that he does, which would have been horrible for Margaret, no doubt about it, at various stops on this trip, he raped and sodomized her. He did this repeatedly. Nerve-wracking. But eventually, he strangled Margaret. He's a strangler. He, he does a lot of his killing by strangulation. He strangled Margaret and dumped her body in a haystack in Kentucky. So he's, probably, he's pretty far from Oklahoma right at this point. Sure. After disposing of her body, he took off in her Cadillac and drove west. That's the other thing. This guy doesn't have a car of his own. So when he kills someone, he just takes their car, just rides around in it. Well, maybe easier back then today. I don't know. It'd be harder to do that today. I mean, you'd have to be doing something wrong for the police to even run a tag. Right. So maybe not. You know, I mean, I'm sure there might be uh, all points bolting out for this. Faster, right. So you you have to look at it. You have the death of, I should say, the murder of Eddie Cash in Oklahoma. Margaret Bell goes missing from Oklahoma, but she's missing. She's not dead. Or she is, but they don't know that. And there's really nothing to put the two cases together, right? The murder of a 63-year-old man, the disappearance of a 36-year-old woman. There was some stuff in the research, too, that, you know, Margaret did have a habit of going off for a day or two and then coming back. So I don't know that it was a, you know, five alarm at, you know, that night that she didn't come back somewhere. Right. But eventually, you know, somebody's going to realize that that she never comes back. But police at that point, they're not putting those two cases together. But Walker would drive her car all the way to Branson, Missouri, and he would dump it there and then hitchhike his way back to Oklahoma. Her car would later be found by a a Missouri state trooper. Walker next made his way to Vanita, Oklahoma, which is about 45 miles northeast of Tulsa. On May 14th, he strangled 35-year-old Jane Hilburn in her home nine miles outside of Vanita. And you have to keep the timeline in check here, right? Because this is 19 days worth of murders. So he began on May 6th. We're up to the 14th. Yeah. After he murdered Jane Hilburn, he stole her black Camaro. And just the very next day, he picked up a girl in Jane's black Camaro in a suburb of Tulsa called Oakhurst. He told the girl that his name was Gary Edwards. And this was an alias that Walker sometimes used. Right. Again, he pulled a knife on this woman as soon as she's in the car and told her to take off her pants. So he doesn't deviate a lot. Kind of predictable. Except for the the very first murder, he used something that was lying around, right? Something I think he found in the house. But I don't think he set out to murder this guy. Yeah. I think this guy came home, confronted him robbing his house, and he knew that Casualty of the event. Right. He didn't want to go back to prison. So, you know, he kills this guy. He wasn't out trolling for a victim. You know, I don't think when he murdered this guy. Now, that's just my opinion. But incredibly, this woman was able to get away from Walker unharmed. And she went to police with a description of him. But then you just jump forward the very next day. And you think, Gibbs, he, he was not satisfied with the way that that turned out that encounter. 
It didn't go the way he had planned. He got the woman in his car. He pulled the knife. Somehow she was able to get away. So the very next day, he raped a 17-year-old girl at knife point in another suburb of Tulsa. Yeah. She, too, was eventually able to get away, but not without having to go through you know, the sexual assault. Right. Luckily, she got away and didn't lose her life. Jane Hilburn's black Camaro was found by police, abandoned, on May 22nd. On May 23rd, Walker raped and murdered a woman by the name of Janet Jewell in Tulsa. Janet was a 32-year-old mother of three from Beggs, Oklahoma. She was in Tulsa looking for a job, but she had some car trouble in Tulsa, and it was Gary Walker who happened to come along and offer to help. And I think quickly he realized that her car was out of gas, but you know he went to go get some gas for her. So he's acting like the good Samaritan. She's probably thankful at this point that this guy stopped and is, is helping her out. He comes back with the gas. Janet is able to get the car started, but as she's doing this, he jumps in next to her. He pulls a knife on her and essentially, you know, abducts her in the in broad daylight in Tulsa. This is in this is during the middle of the day that this all goes down. Yeah. He forced her to drive to secluded areas where he raped and sodomized her and then he strangled her with a cord. Walker dumped her body just a couple of miles away from her hometown of Beggs, Oklahoma. Very next day, May 24th, he now has Janet Jewell's car, drives it back to Tulsa to search for his next victim. And he pulls into this shopping center parking lot and he's stalking, he's waiting, he's watching. He's looking at all the women that are coming out of the different stores in this shopping center parking lot. He spotted 25-year-old newswoman Valerie Shaw Hartsnell, who was walking out of a store after buying some diapers. So this is a woman that's married, that has at least one child. I, I don't know how many children she had, but she obviously has an infant that is still wearing diapers. She was very well known. You know, She was like a newswoman on the local channel. She was very well liked. She was an up-and-comer at 25 years old, but he's sitting in this car, watching her, stalking her. And as she opens up the door to her pickup, all of a sudden he's there. That's freaky. Behind her with the knife. So I'm assuming, Gibbs, that he timed it, right? He's in the car. He gets out unseen probably to Valerie, and he's timing it just right so that when she opens that door, but before she can get in and close it, he closes that gap and, and gets to her. And he has a knife pressed at her back. So he abducts Valerie, forces her into the truck. He gets into her truck and makes her drive. Now, what Gary Walker does in this situation is he has Valerie drive to a bank because he wants her to cash a personal check and give the money to him. So she goes to the bank, writes out a personal check for $500, and tries to cash it through the drive-thru. Okay. Well, they won't cash it. 
So she has to drive to another bank. And at the next bank, she is able to cash a check for $500 and she gives him the money. Unlike some of the other instances, police were called very quickly. Valerie is the wife and mother to an infant. People are expecting her home. Yeah. By a certain time. And when she didn't make it home, you know, they called the police. She also happens to work for the local news channel. And so as soon as they find out, you know, that story goes out very, very quickly. Her face is splashed all over the news. And it doesn't take very long for witnesses to start calling police saying that they saw Valerie at the banks with a rough looking guy sitting next to her in her pickup truck. Yeah. Police also found some witnesses that were at the shopping center that saw her drive away with a man. But over the span of that night and into the next morning, he raped and, and sodomized her. You know, this is a, a, a sexual predator. Yeah, absolutely he is. And a murderer. Well, yeah. But For, yeah. it seems to me that he's very motivated by sex. And later that day, uh, the morning of the 25th, he strangled and murdered Valerie Shaw Hartsnell. Again, I, I just gives I can't emphasize enough how quickly things are happening. You know, you and I do stories of ser- serial killers that, you know, three months later, six months later, this is day after day after day. You know, it's a lot of murder and carnage in a 19 day period. Because again, just the very next day on May 26th, a young woman was kidnapped at knife point from a bar in Venita, very close to where the murder of Jane Hilburn occurred. She was raped by Gary Walker, but he let her go. And again, I don't know the reason for that. I never saw anything in the research where he said why he let her go, but he did. And she went straight to police, gave them a description of him, also gave them a description of the pickup truck that he was driving, which matched the description of Valerie's pickup truck. So they start digging in. They are able to trace him to a local motel, but they don't catch him. But they do find out that he registered under the name Dana Ray. But it's two days later on May 28th where they really have their big break. Authorities had taken prints from Jane Hilburn's Camaro. And it was on the 28th that they matched those prints to Gary Allen Walker. And they started having some of the surviving witnesses come in and look at pictures of people. And they started one by one picking out a picture of Gary Walker, identifying him as the man that had attacked them. So they know who this guy is. And the manhunt was on to find Gary Allen Walker. But I also think Gibbs that Gary Walker is aware that the heat is is being ratcheted up because on Saturday, June 2nd, around noon, he abducts 19-year-old Lori Smallwood and her 44-year-old mother, Pauline Mulliken, 
from Pauline's Mobile Home near Van Buren, Arkansas. So he's left Oklahoma. He's now in Arkansas. The pair had just returned home. They had been out going to some yard sales and they did some grocery shopping. And apparently Gibbs, he just burst into their mobile home, into the mother's mobile home, had a gun and forced them out. Now, Pauline's husband pulled up to the trailer just after noon or around noon, and he spotted a man driving his car away from the home. Now, that's probably not a good feeling. Can't imagine it. Now, at first you might think, hey, this guy stole my car, which I'm going to be ticked about, and I'm going to call the police. But pretty quickly, when this guy gets out of his car, he looks around and sees two purses, He sees a bunch of groceries all out on the grass. So now you got to be thinking a little bit differently. You know, the worry level has, has to go up. What he didn't know until later was that his wife, Pauline and Lori were locked in the trunk of the car. So he didn't see them obviously because they're in the trunk. He saw Gary Walker driving away in his car. So police come out. They're looking for these two women. It was said that about 500 people from around the town and surrounding areas came out to help search for the missing pair. But Walker was gone. He was on his way to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was very strange to me, Gibbs, what he did on this drive. So he started out with both of these women in the trunk of the car. At some point... He stopped. He let them out of the trunk and had them sit in the front seat with him. At another point, he stopped and put Pauline, the mom, back in the trunk. That's really weird. It is. It didn't make any sense to me. I don't know what happened to, you know, cause him to want to do that. Well, I think it's control. He's showing the women he's in control. You're probably right. You're probably right. I mean, that's what, if you wanted the show, if that was, if you were that scenario, if I wanted to them to know that I was in control, that's what I would do. You know, they get comfortable, then you got to put them back in the trunk. Again, you are talking from what appears to be first person experience. You know, that scares people. Yeah. When you talk as if this is what I would do. Yeah. It's just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know. You're just saying. I yeah. Know. This is how you would. If. Do it. I was in those shoes. It's what I would have done. Hopefully you will never be. Not done or did, but would do. In the future. Now you're saying this would Yeah, that's not coming out right future. either. Anyway. You just scare people to death. Yeah. Don't hitchhike and you don't have to worry about it. But this is what he did. And and I do agree with you. You know, it probably was some form of control. Putting fear into them maybe was another factor. Um, the only other thing I thought was that Pauline did something or said something that he didn't like, and he he put her in the trunk. But I think what you said is probably the most likely answer. Now, at some point on this drive, he traded the pistol that he had with him for $25 worth of gas. So I don't know if he traded it with a stranger and got the $25, or he traded it with an attendant at a gas station, and they gave him $25 worth of gas. I couldn't get that part, only that he traded it for gas. Now, Lori and Pauline would later say that while they were in the car, 
they kept up a constant conversation with Walker. So that kind of gives it away. Lori and Pauline live to talk about this ordeal that they go through, which is great. When Gary Walker pulls into Tulsa, he stops the car in front of a jewelry store and he lets them both out. It's around 5.45 p.m. But before he lets them out, Gibbs, and I found this very, very odd. He kissed both of them on the cheek as if you were, you know, saying goodbye to an old friend. And he told them that they had been nicer than the others. Really? And that's such an eerie statement. You know, these two women, they know who they're with. And they know what this guy has allegedly done, but they get out of the car and they contact police and let them know that they were abducted by Gary Allen Walker. So police begin searching the area for Walker and they got a tip from someone who had seen him drinking at a bar with another man. And apparently after the pair drank at the bar, they went back to this man's mobile home. Now, I read a couple of, I shouldn't say a couple, I read a lot of different things on this. I read where this man didn't know who he was with. So the other man, not Gary Walker, but the other man other didn't man. know that he was with Gary Walker, the killer. We're going to talk about this man later, though, and that's going to come into some question but there was a lot out there that, that said at the time, this guy didn't know who he was with. Yeah. So I don't know if he, if they just met at the bar, struck up a conversation and the guy was like, Hey, you're a really nice guy. You want to come back to my mobile home and you know, we'll continue drinking. We'll talk, whatever. Maybe he thought he'd made a new friend. Maybe new friend. Hey, TCAT fans, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Now it's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, the zen seeker, the pasta lover, and yes, the true crime fan. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality, TV and gaming. There's something for everyone on Etsy. I bought a lot of stuff on Etsy for the studio, true crime related stuff. It's just a great place to browse. You'll find all kinds of amazing items. And it's a great place to get a gift for a friend, a family member, a loved one in your life. A gifting moment is always around the corner. But whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode now. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs 
programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Police eventually located Pauline's stolen car in front of this mobile home that belonged to this gentleman and they storm in and they arrest Gary Walker. And apparently Gibbs, it went down pretty smoothly. I mean, number one, he didn't have a gun anymore, right? He had sold his or traded his gun for gas. He didn't put up a fight and they, they took him down pretty easily, but everything in this case happened so quickly. You know, this is Saturday, June 2nd. So obviously they get him back to the station and they're questioning him and, and all of that, he breaks down pretty quickly and starts to, you know, tell them the things that he that he had done. Because by the next day, June 3rd, he's riding with the police to go to some of the dump sites. That's how quickly he, you know, gave himself up and that is quick. And, you know, so by the very next day, they're they're going to find the bodies. So he's riding with police, and the first place they go to is a site in Rogers County, Oklahoma. This is where he dumped the body of newswoman Valerie Shaw Hartzell was located. But it's while they're on the road in the car that something very interesting happens. The police are taping the conversation. There's two police officers and Gary Walker. And they're talking and he just starts talking about, you know, all these different crimes he committed. A few hours later, he led them to the site where he dumped Janet Jewell's body, which was in Okamulgee County. He also told them that he dumped Margaret Bell's body in Kentucky and he told them where they could find Eddie Cash's van and Valerie's pickup truck. So he's just giving out everything. He's not holding much Nothing. back. But Gibbs, there might be a reason why he was pretty free with information. And it's because Gary Walker is going to use the insanity plea, the insanity defense in his trial. Right. The first trial that comes up is for the murder of Eddie Cash. It began in November 84. So attorneys are faced with the task of proving that Gary Walker could not distinguish between right and wrong when he killed Eddie Cash. That's what they have to do. They have to convince the jury of that. But for some reason, they didn't object when prosecutors wanted to enter his taped confession into evidence. Now, he talked about a lot of stuff on the on this tape during this car ride, but they could only play at trial, at this trial, the parts that dealt directly with the killing of Eddie. Is that because it would be prejudicial to the case? You know, to bring in an info on another case? Yeah, that would be what I would think. I, didn't, I never read anything about why they could only play, but I'm surmising that you're right, that it would be prejudicial to the jury if they were to hear him talking about 
another case for which he's not on trial. That, that's my only thought. I, I think you're right about that. Yeah, that makes sense then. But there is some damning comments, you know, on this tape. You know, at one point, one of the police officers asked Gary Walker, did you know that it was wrong when they were talking about Eddie Cash? And Walker says, yeah, I know right from wrong. I don't know why I did it, but I know I did it. I mean, that's perfect to have that on tape, though. It is because... As I just said, the defense's job is to prove that he didn't know right from wrong. And in his own words, he literally says, yeah, I know right from wrong. At one point on the tape, he said, you're going down the road going, you just killed somebody. Why? And you realize there's no reason. There's no reason why I should have even bothered. It's kind of a strange thing to say, but why I should have even bothered to kill these people. No, you shouldn't have bothered to kill these people. You should have left these people alone. So the prosecutors laid out all of their evidence against Walker, which was pretty substantial. But the main thing was the taped confessions. I mean, that was gold. The defense countered with a psychiatrist who said that Walker was most likely experiencing a psychotic episode when he killed Eddie Cash. This guy went on to say that Walker probably had trouble distinguishing the 63-year-old Cash from his abusive stepfather. And he said that the dysfunctional relationship with his mother played a huge role in the fact that, you know, Walker never had a normal family life. And this made him unable to learn the morals and the restraint and those type of things that most of us learn from our parents. He didn't learn all that. That's what the psychiatrist is saying. And I don't doubt that's true. I believe this guy had a very jacked up childhood. I don't think Gibbs that he probably learned all of the valuable lessons that, you know, parents are supposed to teach their children. What lesson is he learning from sleeping with his mother and having his mother sleep with his friends at the age of 12. I don't know what lesson you're learning from that. Mm, yeah. But it's not the right. How to share. It's not the right, uh, you know, it's not the right type of message. That's not one they talk about on Sesame Street. I can tell you that. Uh, count to Dracula. How many people in bed? One or two or three. <laughs> the count. The count. Yeah. They don't actually call him. He doesn't call himself Count Dracula, does he? No, you're right. He's just a count. He's the count. Probably because of counts. copyright infringement. Probably. Sesame Street doesn't want to get sued. Yeah. But again, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with anything that this psychiatrist is saying. This guy even went on to testify that Walker told him while he was under sodium amytal or true serum that he had experienced confusion between Cash and his stepfather. Now, I don't know if I believe that or not. He probably did tell the psychiatrist that, but that doesn't mean it was true. I don't know much about sodium amytal. I don't know how well it works. Be fun to take once. Yeah. You don't realize it, but I've actually given it to you. Oh, yeah. I had my wife. Put it in the food. Mm -hmm. You don't, you, you're not aware. And then I asked you a bunch of questions. I got the, the, the true answers about the chair, about the microphone. You're going to put it out later? I have it all on tape. Of course I taped it all. Yeah. Well, that's good. So they know that you have the bigger chair and the better. No, they know microphone. the truth because you told the truth. But uh, yeah, really, in all seriousness, I don't know how well that works. 
or whether somebody would able would be able to you know tell somebody something they wanted to hear even I under that. In, uh, I remember in uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. In True, what what's his name? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. In True Lies. Yep. He fought it. He didn't let it get to him. But he's a big guy though. He looked at Jamie Lee Curtis and act like he was set, but he didn't. He got it. Oh, we got a True Lies reference. That yeah. one's never made the podcast before. Uh, I, I, I actually do like that movie. Was that like 1990? I'd say it's early 90s if I had to guess. Yeah. Do you remember the best scene about that one? The one involving Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was. I assume that's the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah. I'm a big Jamie Lee Curtis fan. Have been it was a, uh, for a long It was time. an upgrade from Halloween. Yeah, she was good in Halloween, too. Yeah. Just different. Much different role. Yeah. Much different role. Now, Walker also testified on his own behalf, but some of the things he said, Gibbs, didn't make any sense to me. On the stand, he testified that he was on his way to kill a woman in Owasso who, on the stand, he called a whore when Eddie Cash picked him up. I don't know how that in any way helps your case when you admit in a murder trial that you were on your way to murder somebody else. Yeah. And I wasn't going to go murder her. I was headed to murder somebody else, that whore. But instead of killing her, I ended up killing him because he just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I, I just found that statement very odd. I don't see how it plays into your advantage to admit well, that in court. I don't know why the uh, attorneys would ever put him up, put him up on the stand anyway. Why would you ever have somebody like that? testifying on his own behalf well maybe this is a little different because they are claiming or they are using the insanity defense so maybe they did want him to get up there and say some outlandish things that's true go never act crazy yeah i never actually thought about that maybe they did but still i don't understand how it's good to ever say that you're on your way to kill somebody else no i don't know how that works for you Hmm. but the prosecution you know, they, they had witnesses of their own that countered the defense saying Walker was methodical, that he went there to Cash's house when he did to rob the place because you know, he thought Eddie wasn't there. And like I, I think I said before, the prosecution contended that Gary Walker killed Eddie Cash because he feared going back to prison. And they had good reason to say that. Because just like so many other things, he had said this exact thing to police in that that taped uh, talk that they had. So basically, Gibbs, they just went back to those tapes time and time again to counter everything that the defense put put up. The jury deliberated for four hours. They rejected the insanity defense and they found Walker guilty of first degree murder. And he received a a death sentence. Now, later on, he would go to trial for the murder of newswoman Valerie Shaw Hartzell. A jury found him guilty of murdering Valerie as well. And he got another death sentence. But the conviction on this one would later be reversed on appeal. And it would go to a second trial. He was still found guilty at the second trial, But instead of the death penalty, he received a life sentence plus 500 years for imprisonment. 500 years. That's a long time. It is a long time. 
Walker took plea deals in the other cases. So, you know, the murders of Jane Hilburn, Janet Jewell, and Margaret Bell. He was also charged with a with a bunch of other things. I think he had over 40 felonies. Wow. In all. That's including the murders, but you know, he was charged with the attempted rape of a 24-year-old Tulsa woman, a kidnapping in Craig County, the rape of a 24-year-old Vanita woman in Ottawa County. But in all, when it was all said and done, after the three trials, after all the the plea deals, he got one death sentence, six life sentences, yeah, 700 years in prison on top of that. There ain't no coming back from that, Gibbs. There's nowhere to go. If if they don't eventually follow through on the death penalty, I mean, you got all those life sentences. Yeah, so. you're, you're never getting out unless you pull a Shawshank Redemption and somehow tunnel your way out. And that's when you'd want it. You, you would try, right? What do you got to lose? Well, he had tried a bunch of times before. Yeah. When he actually did have something to lose, you know, he, he ended up getting more time for some of those other um, earlier escape attempts. But you're right. At that point in time, you're never getting out. What are they going to do to you? Yeah. I mean, you're a lifer now, man. Yeah, you've got the death penalty hanging over your head. And like you said, if for some reason that were to fall through, you're still never getting out of prison. Mm-mm. Maybe they put you in the hole or something. Solitary, Solitary yeah. Solitary 20, confinement. 23 hours out of the day. You know, he, his defense team would appeal all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, but they refused to hear his appeal in 1986. So now we get to the year 2000. Gary Walker is about to be executed. And you know, Gibbs, where we have the information, we like to talk about individuals' last meals. So Gary's last meal consisted of three cheeseburgers, three sliced tomatoes, french fries, and a strawberry malt. It's a lot. It is a lot, but as far as last meals go, it's pretty tame, actually. Sounds like a like one of your Saturday nights at the pull-up uh, burger hop. Did you say pull-up burger hop? Drive up, you know. What the hell is a pull-up burger yeah, hop? Pull Were the we car back up. in the 50s and I'm... I'm it's hanging off of my window oh, yeah. before I go to the sock hop. That's right. What are you talking about? That's what you're about? doing. You know it. Burger hop. You know you do it. Down there, down there at the corner. At the corner. Yeah. There's a place where they roller skate out and set my That's right. hamburger on, on my that, window. On your window and sit there and you get your cheeseburger, your fries. If you order a side of gravy to dip them in. Oh, gravy. And, and I don't know, maybe this was, you know, maybe they already had the $20 limit or some limit on it by this point. You and I have talked about some of these older cases, though, where, man, they they asked for four or five, six different meals. Would you change your uh, final meal now, since what you said on the previous episodes, on what you'd get for your final meal? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's been that long, has it, since we talked about it? No. I think I'm still going... Pine Club filet mignon. Yeah, I'm definitely going with like some burgundy mushrooms. Oh, a little sauteed burgundy little mushrooms sauteed on top of it to go with my steak. Yeah, maybe a loaded baked potato and and definitely some of those onion strings. I like onion strings. Oh, the little thin steak. onion oh, strings yeah. on top of your steak. Yep, that sounds like everything you get at Pine Club. I know it's good stuff. You'd be happy. Chase it down with what? Pepsi. A little Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. you like your Pepsi. Not much of a drinker. How about a dessert? 
dessert. I might go apple crisp. I'm not. I don't like cake and stuff like that. No, would you like that topping on the yeah. apple crisp thing? We want apple crisp. Yeah, there you go. All right, now you got to go. Tell me yours. Me, I think just a good salad. <laughs> nah, just joking. Ah, uh, man, healthy Gibby. He's about ready to be executed, and he wants to go healthy. No, I tell you what, I'd probably do some type of uh, Italian, uh, you know, uh, maybe a good pasta, uh, pasta uh, eggplant parmesan, pasta uh, fagioli. Yeah, a little lasagna, maybe at all. Just to do uh, Italian. You just fest. use an excuse to do, do your Italian. It's not I even did. an Italian accent. It's not I, an accent. I did call my uh, our new friends at uh, Florence uh, Foodies and yeah, say, you should ask. I need them. some good foodies. It's not even an accent. It's more of a caricature <laughs> of an accent. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> you you want one of those uh, character drawers from King's Island exactly. to come in and like sketch it out, like I would say it. Exactly. Now, Walker's execution took place in the early morning hours of January thirteenth, two thousand. He was only forty six years old, Gibbs. At, at this Man. time, how old are you? Forty five. One more year, and you'd be there. One more year. You've been the same age. Yeah. He was pronounced dead at one twenty Eastern Standard Time. Only took about four minutes. That seems like a long time, though, for a lethal injection. Yeah. So after they injected him with the chemicals, yeah. the cocktail, whatever it was back then, that would stop his heart, took about four minutes. Yeah. I wonder how it's like. Like, does he feel it? You know, because you'd want him to. Like, did he feel I don't a little? Think, no, I don't think they got to. They got to like make make sure he's not in pain. Or right. Something, it's got to. It's got to be humane. I think yeah. there's a. If, and I'm no expert on it by any means there's people listening that know way more about it than i do but i thought there was a there was an one of the three right isn't there three now well, i know there is now there's three drugs so i think what you're right one is like a so they don't feel so it. you don't feel much and then one stops you know slows down the heart until it stops yeah. and, and then the fatal one i guess kind of like that movie would uh law-abiding citizen is that what you're gonna say no i was gonna oh. go with tom hanks and the uh maybe they always Practice the electric chair one. Oh, Green Mile. Green Mile. But now you switch from lethal injection to the electric chair. I know. I was Those just, are two different things. I was just thinking. You could have went law-abiding citizen. I, that was that was good, though. Because that's... I liked how he kept him alive. That's where the cocktail... He messed up the cocktail, and that guy... Yeah, he, he felt it. He everything. felt it big time. But I still like the puff, puff fish trigger gun. I know. You're a big fan of that. Yeah. But there was something about Walker's execution that I really wanted to talk about. And it's the fact that... There were a lot of people that wanted to be in that room. They wanted to watch Gary Walker die. Remember when you you have a lot of victims, victims, family members. You have victims too, right, that survived. But the room only held 12 people. But from what I read, they crowded in 30 people into the execution viewing room where it was only meant to hold 12 and then there was a whole bunch of people that couldn't make it in there that were in another room nearby watching it on closed circuit TV. There were a lot of people that wanted to see this guy die for what he did. In his final statement, Gary Walker said to the victim's families, I can only ask for your forgiveness. The hate you have towards me, let it go. I am sorry. I don't know if I can even get the words out. And now I'm ready to go, and the warden is ready to send me. I don't know, Gibbs. I would be like, who? don't you tell me how to feel about you. Yeah. I will hate you if I want to hate you. Who are you? 
Now, there is one kind of a side thing that that I want to talk about. And it was on June 5th, 1986. The nude body of 24-year-old Deronda Gayroy was found in a remote portion of the Rock Point State Recreation Area between Claremore and Tulsa. She was nude, but she did have stockings on. And her bra was wrapped around her neck. It had been used to strangle her. Her body was bruised, and it had a lot of burns on it that they determined were put there by a cigarette or multiple cigarettes. So this is 1986. But the part that's interesting about it is that the person that is last known to have been seen with Deronda was a man by the name of Marshall Cummings Jr. He was an ex-convict, but he was also the guy, Gibbs, that had the mobile home, that drank with Gary Walker that night, and it was at his mobile home where they arrested Gary Walker. I just found it so strange. In early 1987, Cummings pled guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Prosecutors said they agreed to the plea deal because they had trouble locating key witnesses. But really, the biggest thing for me was that there was a lot in the research about people, you know, defense attorneys for Gary Walker coming out and saying, okay, here's a guy that strangled a woman in the same fashion, somewhat, that Gary Walker did. Could he have been involved in, in some of the other cases? Because I think the defense tried to say at one of the trials that, I think it was Valerie Shaw Hartzell's trial, that Gary had another man with him. I don't know. I, I, just, I just thought it was an interesting kind of side avenue that this man that he ended up with that night, that apparently, if you believe it or not, didn't know him, ends up killing a woman a few years later in a very similar fashion. Yeah. It's very strange. It is very, very bizarre. But that's it. That is the story of Gary Allen Walker. Serial killer? Spree killer? I don't know. Both? Both. Bad guy for sure? Absolutely. All right, Gibbs, we got some voicemails. You want to dive into those? Let's do it. Hey, guys. My name is Rebecca from Iowa. I'm a new listener, and I've been binging your podcast, and I love it. Um, I can't remember the episode I was listening to, but there was a Michael Scott reference in it, and I consider myself a bit of a true crime aficionado. The fact that there was an office reference, which I'm a huge fan of, was a like, massive bonus for me. I've never heard an office reference in a podcast or about true crime, which is pretty much the only thing I listen to. So you guys have become one of my new favorite true crime podcasts, and I just thought I should let you know to keep up the good work. Um, thanks for the laugh. I really enjoyed it. It was great. That's what she said. So we appreciate that call from Iowa. Gibbs, you know I'm a huge Office fan. Oh, you, you just binged it for the third time in I a did. row in like in a month. You know, I have I have two or three shows that are either on Netflix or Hulu or something where if I've got something going on, if I'm doing something, and I just want something in the background, those are the shows I go to. You know, Always Sunny, Office, Scrubs, things like that. But I love Office. I'm a huge Office fan. My kids are really big into The Office, too. Yeah. They love it. It's a good show, man. 
Mike and Gibby. Mike, Mike and Gibby. Love you guys. Just like that. That might be the new record for the shortest voicemail in the history of true crime all time. And I like how it kind of reverbed there. You know what I'm saying? How did it reverb? Mike, Mike and Gibby, Mike, Mike and Gibby. Didn't it do that? Is that is that what reverb is? Is that what a reverb is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Remember that show back in the 80s? I was like an effect. That Remember that show back in the 80s with you just saw the guy's head? It was like a... Um, Talking about Max Headroom? Yeah. Sound like Max Headroom, but a How female. How am I getting so good at knowing what you're saying with very limited clues? The thing is, I bet you there's a, a bunch of other people out there listening that said the same thing. He's talking about Max Headroom. Oh, you're probably right. Because they've figured me out by now. Yeah. We're all getting into your head, which is... Scary. Scary in, very, in some respects. Very scary. Actually, a lot of respects. Yeah. But she even did the little smoochy sounds at the end. I like she that. did. Maybe that's reverb. Maybe that's maybe reverb. you should look reverb up. That's a reverb after this. After we're done, I'm just gonna let it fly. They're let me know. Don't worry. Hi, Ed, Mike, and Gibby. Um, I wanted to call and just say to Gibby to keep practicing your accent. Um, honestly, <laughs> um, something that I've been working on lately is my Australian accent, which is not so great. So I'm not going to do it. I had planned actually to do three or four. <laughs> to swap in between three or four throughout this whole message but I don't have the courage uh, right now to do it but um, I just wanted to tell you to keep practicing Um, it's Sandy from Michigan the lady with the dog Um, and keep going you know keep practicing keep mimicking people (laughs) watch TV make friends Um, that's how I practice and I never considered myself to be somebody who was good at accents at all until I started playing around with it and imitating people and having tons of fun so I think it's really cool that you're willing to put yourself out there um, even even if uh, it might not be quite right, so I think that's I think that's awesome. Thanks, and keep your own time ticking. And I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Oh, that's all so good. At, uh... That was horrible. Whatever that was, you just uh... did, I don't even. Oh my gosh, that was. I thought that Oi. was a. Was that an Asian accent or an like? Oh, a... I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. But so, anyway, she's, she's. I get a kick out of that. Bloody a though, you know I try. I try to get my, I can't even, I'm now just going into a country little thing here. She got me. She she, she got me because, but I was, I did find myself in the beginning saying, trying to narrow her accent down. And yeah. then I thought, man, her accent seemed like it just changed. But I think she did it on purpose. I think she was going for that uh, five accents in a, in mm-hmm. a row. But she got me. It's pretty she good. She did. She did a good job. I'll uh, give her that. So it's catching on, Gibbs. Keep it up. Yeah. Yo, what's going on? This is uh, Brad from Jimmy Kimmel Live. I'm going to tell you guys you do a great job. And anytime you're in Los Angeles, you're more than welcome to be my guest in the green room. Um, it's pretty fancy, so you should tell our cheeseburger number two over there to uh, leave his member jacket only at home. Because that would be kind of out of place here. And also, that I had two rules with these podcasts. One of them was you don't listen to a true crime one with two people. And you made me break that because you guys do a pretty good job of... Um, of the editing and making it smooth and doing real well. The other rule was when you find a good podcast, not to go back to the first couple and listen. You guys didn't break that because the first couple sounds like the uh, the cheeseburger number two there is calling in with a can and string. So you guys have improved and it, it's it's really entertaining and all the best. And again, you're welcome to uh, to come be my guest here, Jimmy Kim. I'll send you shoot guys out an email. 
uh, with my email in case you're ever in L.A. All right, again, no member jacket only. Thank you. But I'm a good cheeseburger. You're cheeseburger number two. I'm a cheeseburger, cheeseburger number two. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. cheeseburger. Yep. So that's Brad. Brad's pretty cool. He's We've been emailing back and forth. and Yeah. He sent us some stuff we'll talk about in the mailbag. But if we're ever in L.A. We'll be looking you up, man. We're definitely going green to room. meet Kim alive. Tell me why it's called the green room. I don't know. No, I want him to tell me. Oh. You can like, tell me if you know, but I don't, I don't think know. you know. I don't know. Because a lot of times they were green. I have no idea. I don't know. Hey, it is Jill Miller from Chicago. Uh, this is for Mike for Deliciousness. Uh, heads up on the Duke sausages. I am also addicted. Amazing. Um, I get them at Walmart, usually online. You can find them in the store sometimes too. Um, they're like four forty-eight a package, which is very reasonable beef jerky pricing. Um, but you can find it for six, seven, eight dollars in all different kinds of stores. But that's the best price I find. I order like I order like a dozen at a time, get the free shipping, and last me. For the month, but uh, yeah, I had to share those with you because I heard you like beef jerky, and that's my favorite. All right, guys, have a great day. Thanks. Bye. So, Jill from Chicago has got me addicted to these Duke sausages. I don't know what else to say, Gibbs. I actually found them at Sam's. Now they didn't have the sriracha ones, which I actually like a little bit better. Yeah, they they had the regular, but still good. Yeah, you love them, man. You can't get enough of them. Can't. I'm out. You love them out now. Actually, you love a good sausage more. I knew you were going to say that, you son of a bitch, you. <laughs> all right, Gibbs, yeah, so that's it for voicemails. We appreciate all of that. You want to dip in the mailbag? Do the mailbag, man. So Ari Ansbro sent some chips from Vermont and also sent some bison jerky, which you're going to try out. Bison. Lean. Try out that lean bison jerky. That's right. And then Brad, who you heard on the voicemail, sent us yeah. some... Uh, Mr. Tin Can and a Wire. <laughs> sent us some uh, Jimmy Kimmel stuff, some shirts and stuff. So Yeah. Did, awesome. Uh, how'd, you, how'd you pull that one off? How'd I pull it off? No, how'd Brad pull that off? Because Brad works at Jimmy Kimmel. He's the man. He is the man. He's going to have us back in the green room. Exactly. And <laughs> then Aaron sent us some stickers, Gibbs, from Burning Man. Really? Which are actually really cool. Burning Man. Yeah. So, Gibbs, have you ever been to Burning Man? I have not. I haven't either. I, are you uh, ever going to be in a Burning Man? I doubt it. I doubt it. It's um, it's out in, I think it's in Nevada somewhere. Really? Out in the desert? Yeah. I like the desert. I know a lot of people go. Yeah. So You know a lot of people that go? I don't. I oh. said I know a lot of people oh, go. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know anybody that goes yeah. except for Aaron. I have to learn about it. I don't so, know anything about it. All right, everyone, that is it for another episode of True Crime All the Time. So for Mike and Gibby, stay safe and keep your own time ticking. Is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Ding! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay. 
So, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.